Growing up, you and your buddies were always on the same page. Thursday was pickup basketball night. Saturday was an Xbox gaming binge, but then the buddies started falling off one by one. So what if they all have that ring on their finger and you're the only single bachelor left? You've got your own bling. And this one doesn't come with any commitment, just a few really good moments of chill bliss. Why the sheets not go for the gold? For a limited time at Sheets, get your hands on a $3.99 milkshake like the Toffrees. Made with Hershey's Heath Bars. Unwind with golden ribbons of buttery caramel and a heaping scoop of whipped cream. And don't forget, you can save $1 when you order on the app. At Sheets, there are endless options when it comes to delicious drinks. Coffee house style cold brews, hot coffees, lattes, shakes, refreshers, and so much more. Everything is customizable so you always get exactly what you want. And when we say always, we mean 24-7, 365. Welcome, everybody, to uh, a new venture, really, for us on the 1875 podcast. We're kind of branching out into looking at the academy. So we've got an academy podcast that's going to be coming your way. Um, we'll talk to the big boss of Rovers Chat in a little bit about how often that we will be speaking. But um, let us introduce who we've got on the panel today. Um, obviously, you may recognize my voice. I'm Andy Watson. I present the stats show on YouTube for Rovers Chat and also done a couple of the 1875 podcasts. The most recent of which is actually relatively, uh, you know, good for this podcast because I spoke to Eric Kinder, the academy, former academy manager at Rovers uh, up until 2017, and that's currently out there on Spotify, on, on iTunes, and also on YouTube. Um, definitely worth a listen for anyone who's interested in the academy and, and kind of all of youth development, really. Some great stories from him. Let's hope we get some great stories from our guests today. Um, I've already mentioned the big boss. Maybe we'll start off with the other guy. <laughs> uh, we've got Peter Kennedy joining us. Hi, Peter. Hi, yeah. How are you doing? I'm all right, yeah. Not bad. Yeah, good. Um, I've got a question for each of you, and your and the question is for this one is, who is your favourite ever Rovers Academy graduate? Um, right. I'm gonna, I'm, right. I want to try and leave the obvious ones to the side, so I'm going to go with Lewis Travis, um, just because he's quite a recent one and he's the complete midfielder and he's taken everything good that the academy's done in the last few years and he is the embodiment of a good player from the academy that we've produced. Yeah, absolutely. He's kind of one of the first names on the team sheet when he's fit now. And, yeah. Um, just mentioning that podcast again, I actually asked Eric Kinder about Lewis Travis and he said he was in a, not in a million years did he think he would ever play central midfield <laughs> for Rovers. He thought he was going to be a, a fullback and obviously he did break through at that position but has transitioned into central midfield really well. Um, okay, boss, you're all right. Yeah, you. <laughs> Good, yeah. So this is Dan. Um, so introduce yourself to the listeners and maybe you want to tell us who your favourite Rovers Academy graduate is as well, mate. So I'm Daniel Ainsworth. I set up the Rovers Chat account and I've recently done the Academy Rovers. To avoid the obvious ones, I'd say probably Joe Rankin Costello. Versatility. He can play left back, right back. He come through as a centre back as a kid. He come to United uh, from United as a centre back, centre mid, even playing up front. He's just a player who his versatility will make him a key player at Rovers for hopefully the next five or ten years. And I yeah. think he might get snapped up soon. Well, let's hope he gives us a little bit of service then. 
Um, he's done really well to come back from obviously that serious injury that he had a couple of years ago. So yeah, he's definitely one of my favourite current Rovers players. Um, for those people who may be interested in mine, I'm going to go all the way back to the late nineties, and James Beattie was uh, one of my first player that I really remember coming through the system um, when I supported Rovers and uh, I was really sad when he was part of the deal to take Kevin Davis up here and him to go down to Southampton. I actually met him recently in Yarn and I embarrassed myself by taking a photograph of him at like midnight and the flash went on and everybody in the club just like turned, turned who's taking a photograph and it was me taking a photograph of James Beattie. I did not speak to him again afterwards. Anyway, after that wonderful story, let's crack on with the kind of the meat of the podcast. The guest asked the question, I'm going to be the dummy here of why are we doing this podcast, Peter? What's exciting about the Rovers Academy? Do I have to? Um, it's just the first team. Look at the first team squad. Just look at it on paper and see how many players have come through the academy in that first team squad. And also with players like Phil Jones and, and Connor Mahoney in the past, how they can be sold on and we can make a lot of money from them, which can help sustain the club, especially in times like these. And do you see it as more of a sustaining of the club or as a way of us maybe getting into the Premier League without um, relying on? I, I think we've... the For the Championship, the academy players that we can provide from within, we can get a good squad around them, but to, some of them might need to be sold on the higher the club goes as... Lots of them won't make it into the first team, the higher the standard of the team. That's interesting. Uh, Dan, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that the owners see it as kind of like a, a way of bringing in players and selling them on or bringing in players for the first team to get to get us up? I'd say definitely because it does cost a lot of money to run an academy of Rovers standard. They estimate it to be between two and five million. So it's obviously a big investment from Venkis considering we've only spent over five million on Ben Brereton so it's definitely an investment for the club do you, do you think that they deserve actually quite a bit of credit for keeping that going even when we went down to League One yeah I think they do no one ever had a category one in League One so I think massive credit to them you've only got to look at what we brought through to realise that actually two million a year isn't bad when you're getting a Lewis Travis a Joe Rankin Costello Daryl Ennian it's a massive investment for the club but it's going to pay off yeah, absolutely. And so how often will we be doing this podcast? I'm sure people have been intrigued by the opening few minutes there and want to know how often we're going to be doing this. And so do I. It's just so I can uh, schedule it into my, my busy programme. So we're looking at monthly at the moment, but if there's demand for it, we could do it more regularly, every fortnight possibly. If people want it, we'll do it. Yeah, I suppose so. We've got to do what the people want. Right, then, let's uh, let's get some details in about the academy. Then, tell us what you know, Peter. Like, where the where for those people who don't kind of follow the academy too too closely, where do they train? Like, what what's the situation with that? How many age groups do we have? What teams kind of play in what leagues? And uh, yeah, just basically break it down for us if you can. So, right at the top is the twenty threes um, who play. Once a week, sometimes twice a week, about the same rate as the first team, and they're in the um, Premier League Two Division One, doing quite well in that at the moment. Um, and then underneath that, there's the under 18 to play in the um, we play in the under 18 Premier League, um, and then I think we've got 16s as well, but they play pretty regularly, normally weekly. 
on a Saturday morning, the 18s and 16s, whereas the 23s are normally Monday nights and Friday nights. And do they have like home stadiums and stuff like that? They so, don't play Ewood, do they? No, no, they don't. Um, the 23s play at Leyland County Grounds of the Lancashire FA. Um, and the 18s and 16s normally just play at Brockwell. Okay. And uh, that was all obviously built for by Jack Walker and stuff. And again, yeah, yeah. Kinder mentions that um, quite a lot in, in the podcast, that it's important that people who are fans of the club realise how much he kind of put into the academy at the time. And, and that's kind of borne fruit for us, as, we, as we've mentioned, all throughout the, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and hopefully now into the 2020s. So, Dan, I, what's been the performance like of, of the teams, the 23s and the 18s? Have they been doing well so far this season? So they've actually been quite contrasting. The under-23s have played 3-1-2 and drew one, drawing in the last game against Manchester United. So they sat uh, fourth in the Premier League too. But the under-18s, it's been disappointing. They lost 2-1 to Everton, 2-1 to Manchester United, 3-2 to Wolves. And I think they lost 3-0 the other day to Liverpool. So they're without a point. They sat second bottom. There's only Sunderland below them. So it's been quite disappointing for the under 18. So does that matter though? Like, does it really matter how the the under 23s and under 18s do in terms of results and league tables, in your opinion? I don't think it matters too much. I think the under 23s matters a bit more because if they're not getting results against them under 23 players, then they're going to struggle in the higher leagues in men's football. But the under-18s, I think they're mainly affected because when an under-18s a good player, like Dan Pye, like Luke Brennan, they move up a level and they're playing under-23s and then you're having to get a 15, 16-year-old to fill that gap. And I think that affects the under-18 results. Do you not think that happens in most of the Category 1 academies, though? Uh, there's a few. There are a few that keep... 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds in the under-18s, though. It does happen at times. I think Rovers have done it for a number of years. Look at Joe Rankin Costello. He seems to have been playing under-23 level for years. Since he was 15 or 16, he was in the squad. Isaac Whitehall were 16 when he was in the Lancashire Senior Cup squad. Aidan Carter. So every club does it. I just think Rovers were more forceful with it. It's the theory of if you're good enough. Yeah. Yeah, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah, and they move them up through the through the uh, age groups quite quickly, and then hopefully get them, you know, good experience that way. Yeah. So let's talk more about our current crop of players. You mentioned a couple of names there of players that are in the system. Um, the under twenty three, as you said, recently restarted their division, their league. Who's impressed you so far? Obviously, you've said they've had good results, and they probably should have won, shouldn't they, against United as well? So who's who's been impressive in that under twenty three team, Dan? I think Lewis Thompson at left back, he's been a good, one of the better performers this year. He gets up his line quick, but his pace is blistering at times and can get up, get back. I think what stops him from getting in the first team is maybe that final ball. When he gets down the line, he puts a ball in sometimes, but he often overhits it and then we're left recovering. Sam Barnes has looked good at centre back, Blackman born lad, uh, confident on the ball, mature player knows how to pick a pass. So he, I think he'll be one for the future. Uh, I know yeah, Conor McBride as well. Yeah. After signing in the summer, he's looked good, scored a few goals, just runs, just constantly runs at defenders. 
And Peter, same question to you. You can mention the same players as Dan, that's fine. But if there's anybody else as well, you can I'll throw th- into the hat. Yeah, I'll throw Dan, Dan Pike into that hat. He's almost a carbon copy of what Lewis Thompson just does just on the other side. But his final ball is really good into the box. And Conor McBride as well, because I think his finishes, whereas with Joe Nuttall when he was in the academy, it was right place and right time. Conor McBride has done some really quality finishes when you think he shouldn't score from there. He does often. And did you did you see the United game um, that was last week? No, I didn't. I was. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so Dan, like you mentioned, I mean Peter just mentioned there, Dan Pike, and you mentioned him also in kind of the the under 18s category. Um, how how the younger players, the former under 18s, that are kind of being transitioned into the 23s, how have they fared kind of as as a group? Do you think coming up into the 23s? Yeah, I think they look good. Uh, you've got uh, Jalil Sardi, the centre mid, centre back. He's looked, he played a few last year at under 23 level, but he looks solid at home. Such a young age. He's just confident on the ball. He's strong, powerful. He's looked good stepping up. Luke Brennan, he was in the under 23s last year, but he was also with the under 18s. But this year he looks, he's direct. He's a winger. He's a bit like Harry Chapman in a way. He'll run at your defender, but I think he's just got more of a final ball. I think that'll be key to getting him in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, there's going to be spaces as the as the season goes on. There's going to be spaces available, especially on the bench, with the seven subs that we have to name and the the hundred miles an hour nature of championship football is bad at the best of times. But with the congested season that we've got ahead of us, Peter, like, can you see any of these players who haven't yet made a first-team debut so that most play, most fans haven't seen? Do you think there's anyone who, who might kind of sneak in and, and make a first-team debut? Um, well, I don't know where we are signing a left-back, but if we don't sign a left-back, then I can see Lewis Thompson getting on the bench at some point this season if one doesn't come through the door. But if one comes through the door, then that's completely different. Um, but... Another one I can see is Conor McBride, actually, because um, we don't have too many options in the first team at striker. And I feel like if he starts to really score constantly week in, week out in the Premier League too, then he'll, they'll have no option but to give him a go on the bench and give him a game later in the season. Yeah, there's obviously obviously Adam Armstrong, we all know, is in superb form. Looks like he's going to be kind of the main selection up there. But Ben Brereton and Sam Gallagher, I guess, are the only other players who yeah. could play number nine and, and they tend to be deployed a bit wider. So there is a gap there for Conor McBride. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if any of those do kind of get onto the bench and, and hopefully we see them making um, an appearance because, Dan, it's quite a statistic that we've got, isn't it, about you know, the number of matches now that we've had an academy graduate in their first-team squad? Yeah, it's massive. It's testament to all the funding that keeps going into the club and hopefully we reach a 1,000. Yeah, so what are we on now? 500-odd? 501, it'll be, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You just wanted, I think, Daniel, to mention Stefan Moles before we move away from the under-23s. He played a couple of the opening games of the season, but he won't be playing any more for us this season. No, I mean, he's long moved to Spanish side, CF Intercity. It's quite a surprise, really. We, I think we all expected him to go out on loan, try and get a shot in the first team next year. But I didn't expect him to go to a third-tier Spanish side. I think he's, he's one of them players, he's always been on the fringes of the first team and never made it in. 
like your Willem Tomlinson's, a bit like Scott Wharton's, although Wharton's had a few chances, Lewis Eichcastle. I just think it's going to be another situation where we see him ending up in League One or League Two. Yeah, but uh, I guess maybe that's his level. I'm surprised he's not been on loan kind of before now. He always, like say, seems to be a fixture in the 23s. So, uh, interesting to see. I thought he'd maybe get a better loan than a Spanish third Yeah, can but... I, can I, I just think the fact he's gone to Spain on loan rather than England means that our scouts can't look at him. If it was the Spanish second division, I'd get it because that's a high, high standard of league than League One or League Two. But surely if we wanted to maybe keep him on past the end of this contract, then he should have gone to League One or League Two, whereas I just feel like this is an advert for him to be to leave at the end of his contract because I, can't, I don't know why they've sent him that far back home, obviously, but I, I don't know why you want to send him to League One or League Two over the Spanish third division. It makes no sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not overly positive about his future at Rovers or indeed possibly in the English game. I wonder whether they've tried to get him loaned yeah. in England and, and nobody's taken him. So... Um, interesting one I think we all agree that he's got talent it's just the case it's not been shown and it won't be shown in England for this season either so let's move down into the 18s um, we don't know as much about them just because we don't have the same kind of access but we know that we recently had a new intake of first year scholars Dan is there anything that we can that you can tell us about them yeah I mean it's tough with under 18s there's not much information on them unless you're a Man United or a Chelsea but we signed 11 scholars. We had uh, Evan Cunningham. He's a forward player for Scotland youth teams. Uh, ben Fowles has been involved with a Wales youth level. Patrick Gamble, I'm not too sure on him. I know he's a born in Liverpool centre-back. He's not featured too much. Uh, you've got the duo Georgie Gent and George Pratt. They're featured for the under-18s last year in the Youth Cup once or twice. Uh, there's Jay Haddock. I believe a Singapore website did a piece with him. So he's come over from Hong Kong, I think he's come from. So he looks a decent midfielder, impressed with under 18 this year. Uh, Christy Montgomery, Scottish international at youth level. Charlie Weston, England international. Harrison Wood, young striker. And then you've got Adam Wharton, brother of Scott Wharton, of course. Yeah. Who's also played for England. So a lot of them are England under-16, Scotland under-16. So they do have talent. They clearly do playing for the national side. But I just think it doesn't look that strong of an intake compared to recent years. That's an interesting one because, uh, Daniel, I know you've listened to the Eric Kinder podcast and he seems to make some kind of comments about, you know, the amount of recruitment and money that's going to recruitment um, since he left or was was going towards that since he left and that seems to me like a very domestic and very quite local intake there um, compared to maybe some of the ones that we've had in the recent past is that the way yeah. that you see it as well? Yeah because I mean we've done it before like uh, Jalil Sardi and Flavian Bayola who's now left the club we brought them over from Toulouse in France so we do like we do like bringing a few players over from abroad, but like you were saying, they're all domestic players. They're all localish lads, except for Jay Haddor. But yeah, it's, I'm expecting a few more foreign names in there. And not to say that they won't turn out to be absolutely, you know, we only need one or two maybe to make the first team to, to pay back the to pay back the money. So, you know, let's see how they turn out. Um, we mentioned the Youth Cup there. Peter, do we know anything else about kind of how the FA Youth Cup team no. might 
might finish. We're in the semi-finals at the moment, but do you know anything more on that? The the only thing we've got on it is um, United in Focus the, on the website. They said that the FA said that they are currently seeking to complete the 1920 FA Youth Cup, providing it is feasible to do so. This position will remain under review. That was on the 11th of September, but we've had nothing since then from anywhere that I can see. Right, okay. But you do believe it should be finished at kind of like ASAP? Um, they've started this, the next season though now. And if, if they can get it done feasibly by the end of this year, then fine, great. But don't try and do it before the final next year or anything like that because that's just getting on silly if we do it that late. Yeah, because then all, all the underages will be overage. And, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, it just cause, causes some interesting issues. Um, let's move on then to what might be forthcoming for the under for the unders. Um, Peter, do you know the fixtures for the under twenty threes that are upcoming? Um, There's the so on, on the <laughs> on the eighteenth of October, we've got Southampton um, away, and then we've got West Ham away on the twenty third of October, and then we finish out the month on Friday the thirtieth of October against Tottenham at home at Leyland. All right, Pearl. And what are the 18s up to, Dan? Do you know? Yeah, so the next game's actually in East Lancashire Derby with Burnley under 18s on Saturday the 17th. So, like Pete said before, they always, well, they mainly play Saturdays in the Saturday mornings. Yeah. So, they've got Burnley on the 17th for away. Then it's Middlesbrough at home on the 24th. And then Stoke away on the 31st, 31st of the month. So, it is a tough, quite tough fixtures. Yeah. You mentioned Burnley there, so I don't have. I've never seen an underage kind of least length derby. I saw the FA Youth Cup game against Preston last year, but are the are the rivalries felt down in the underage groups as well? Uh, so I saw them play at Ewood last year in the under twenty three Premier League Cup, and there is a bit of rivalry there. It, I think a lot of it comes from your Blackburn lads. If there's a few Blackburn lads in the squad, they feel it more like. Sam Barnes, you could tell when they played last year, he were really up for it. So it's, I think they don't understand the rivalry as such. When you're coming from abroad and when you're coming from Manchester and that, I don't think people realise how big Blackburn Burnley is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I've spoken to a few players, like obviously on the podcasts and stuff, when you speak to players that, that weren't part of kind of the Blackburn, when grew up around here, they don't realise. And, and it's absolutely obviously we know it's massive, but I was just wondering whether that filtered down through the age groups as well. Um, are people allowed to go and watch at the minute, Peter? Do you know? Are, are people allowed in Leyland County Ground or? No, no. There's been we've been told all games behind closed doors until anything changes, and nothing has changed at the moment. So we'll have to see how the government go about that. But at the moment, no. Yes, sounds a familiar story. I know there's obviously all those petitions <laughs> yeah. going out at the minute, trying to get fans back into the stadiums across all levels of football. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, sooner or later, we will be allowed back in. And it'd be good for us to see the younger players coming through again um, at, at the unders matches. Um, just before we kind of wrap up then this first podcast, I just wanted to um, find out what you think is going to kind of happen for the under-23s this season. We'll concentrate on them to finish with. Do you see us kind of maintaining a, a challenge, as it were, at the top of the division? I'll start with Peter first. Um, it depends what happens with the front six because at the, well, the yeah the front six because 
at the moment, I feel like the front six is too good for Premier League two with the other teams in there. The fact you've got people like Jacob Davenport or Brad Lyons, I just feel like that's too much for Premier League two. But if some of them start getting pushed onto the first team, then maybe it will come down a little bit, but comfortably mid-table, maybe pushing on towards the top, hopefully by the end of the year. And Daniel? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I think we'll finish top half of the league. I think, like I said before, we get a lot of players called up into the first team. And then when they're called up with injuries, we're having to bring 18-year-olds in. And I think we suffered a bit last year at times when you'd be fielding a young team and then you get Chelsea coming in with the strong players. We all know what Chelsea are like, they're buying players. So I think we'll finish. I'd say fourth or fifth would be a very good season for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the names of the teams that we've been mentioning, the likes of Manchester United, City, Chelsea, and all, all of these, these are the big clubs that we compete with at this level. And I think it's really great to see the name of Blackburn Rovers alongside those at this level. And then hopefully, you know, we'll be back in there competing at senior level as well. Um, to you guys at home that have been listening, I hope you've enjoyed that first Rovers Academy podcast. If there's anything that you guys want to know, if there's any players that you want us to go into detail on, or if there's any matches that you want us to kind of review in detail, then please let us know by following the Rovers Academy um, Twitter. What is the Twitter handle, Dan? Uh, Academy underscore Rovers. Academy underscore Rovers. And so just make sure you're following that account. We also kind of put in... Um, uh, match reports are live as well as they go as we're watching them and sometimes there might be streams available that will be kind of advertised on there as well that you might be able to get to see some of the matches live for free on your on your computer so thank you to peter first of all all right thank you and thank you to dan as well thank you hope you enjoyed your training and, and got you just got here on time for start of recording so thanks for the speed <laughs> yeah it was Busy, busy. Oh, yeah, I know. We're all busy. I've Skyped off work to just to record this podcast. Oh, actually, I shouldn't have said that, should I? My, my work might listen in. Right. Thanks to everybody, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again all soon. industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte.